97 South's Storytellers features conversations with professional songwriters and seeks to pull back the curtain on the art, craft, and career of songwriting. We'll bring you to those magical moments of creativity that have delivered the inspiring songs that make up the soundtrack of our lives. The 97 South Song Sessions Music Festival has established itself as a champion of the art of songwriting. We celebrate the storytellers by gathering together to listen and learn as they reveal the hidden journey embarked upon that resulted in moments of musical greatness. Each year, we feature award-winning industry legends whose art has informed our lives and whose lyrics we know by heart. But with our Discovery Series, we also make sure to make room for the next generation. The songwriters who are inspired by those legends and who will guide our journey into the future. I'm Paul McGuire, and today I'm talking to our 2023 97 South Song Sessions discovery artists, Tegan Gaze, Cole Bradley, Dan Davidson, and Sycamore. We are in good hands. And I love, obviously, talking to people who've got legacy and who've got catalog and who've got all of that stuff. One of my favorite things, though, is getting to shine a spotlight on people that are starting to really get some acknowledgement from the music community at large. And this is the first time we've done the Discovery Showcase. This, this, is, uh, this is the inaugural um, event. The Maiden Voyage? Different. The Maiden Voyage. That's exactly <laughs> right. And uh, you guys, all of you are veterans. Obviously, you guys have all been performing and, and songwriting for a long, long time. But I, I love the idea of, the, and, and this is where the people that created 97 South Song Sessions, uh, their love of music comes into it. They like to shine a spotlight on and give the opportunity and give the stage to people who are deserving. And you guys are all working your asses off nonstop, whether it's in Canada or in the US or whatever it might be. Um, the idea of 97 South Song Sessions is that people get to sit back and hear stories about it's, you know, every song tells a story, but sometimes pulling the curtain back a little bit and hearing where those songs came from is just mind-blowing. I've been talking to creators for three decades, and I am still endlessly fascinated by the creativity that you all possess. And I'm sure you all have your different reasons for being where you are today, the different, you know, grandma bought you a ukulele, uh, dad took you to a Bruce Springsteen show, whatever it might be, everything in between. <laughs> all those things. Um, all those things. <laughs> Both of those things, hopefully. Uh, grandma bought you a ukulele, ukulele is a pretty funny line, actually. At so, a Springsteen nice. concert. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So the idea that we're, we get to uh, celebrate the craft of songwriting, which is first and foremost right now, and you're all performers, and you're all songwriters. And that's why you're a part of this right now. So, Tegan, if you can start us off as the veteran, somebody that mm -hmm. was with us at 97 South last year, if you could give me an idea of mm -hmm. where, the, where the songwriter in you and when the songwriter in you was born. I've always loved writing. And as much as I loved singing, I always told myself, like, I don't think I would want to do this if I couldn't sing my own songs because it just makes it so much more personal. Like I feel it, like I've been there. It's a part of me. And so it wasn't until like, cause I could always sing, like yeah. I always liked to sing, but it wasn't until I started diving into songwriting that I was like, Oh, I was like, I love this. So songwriting is, is special to me. And when I hear, I know when I personally hear a song and I love it, 
Um, I want to know everything about that person, like everything about them. Like, why did they write it? Like, where are they from? Like, I want to just like dive in and dig in, um, uh, when I hear a great song. So like, I, I, and like, ultimately, like I want, like with my songwriting, like I want someone to hear one of my songs and be like, Oh my God, like, why did she write this song? Like, who is she? Where is she from? Like, just cause like, that's how I feel when I hear a song that is so well-written, um, so songwriting to me is just like, I mean, it's, it's everything. If I couldn't, if I couldn't write music, I probably wouldn't want to be in this industry. Like that's how much, how much I love it and how much it means to me. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so well said, uh, Tim Nichols, who is our, uh, uh, basically the official mascot of 97 South song sessions. He's such a great guy. And he's been there from the beginning and helped put this thing together with uh, everybody that created the festival. Um, there's a guy who has been a, I mean, he's such a beautiful singer and such a beautiful guitar player and such a beautiful songwriter, but he is most well known for writing songs for other people. So with all due respect to all of the songwriters out there as a music fan, I'm always a little bit, there's a little bit of extra juice in there. When I learn that a song that I love was written by the person that sang it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, Oh, I do. Oh, okay. So hold on. So this, this heartache or this yearning or this joy or this ecstasy or whatever it might be that comes through in the song is a thing that originated with the person that's singing it. Because I understand mm -hmm. the number of times I've, I've interviewed people and they're like, man, I, I knew I had to sing the song the first time I heard it. I'm like, okay, no, I get that. Mm -hmm. But it's a window into a person's soul when you know that they wrote the song that connected with you. Right, Dan, mm -hmm. you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. I think there's like a there's an interpretation skill out there too cuz even if it's um a person that's written a song 100%, it's not always about them too, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Like they I think it's cool when people can f be as empathetic as possible and figure out what's in the air that's making somebody feel a certain way and then figure out a way to make it something that they can share with everybody and that that's it's not easy to do um it, it, it's just <laughs> no, so it's interesting <laughs> it's just so interesting when somebody's able to put their personal stamp on that and create a bit of a soundtrack to somebody's life you know what i mean mm -hmm. i sure do uh, a sycamore your your uh birth as a songwriter was when when did you become a songwriter um for me i feel like it started well i i remember really liking poetry and and liking creative writing and the literature side of it kind of and I also liked music but I remember probably in my like late teens was when I actually kind of tried my hand at songwriting and I was always a little bit sheepish about trying it because I had a lot of respect for songwriters and I just I remember at at one point thinking it was just too monumental to even try to to marry those two things and then I ended up sort of falling into, I guess it was at about college, maybe. I kind of fell into a more musical crowd and with people who were kind of writing their own music. And they kind of let me look behind the curtain a little bit and almost encouraged me like just to, there's this phrase that I hear in Nashville a lot and it's dare to suck. <laughs> These people kind of, they dared me to just be bad and learn from my mistakes. And it was just a very safe space to to be creative and to not feel like you needed to perform well. And out of that, I realized that it, it's this really incredible outlet just for creativity, for expression. If you're some, if you're like me and you, you don't like your emotions all the time, or you don't know how to express them fully or articulate them, sometimes you can express them in a song. And so it became a really valuable tool for me in terms of 
just outlets and um, catharsis. And on top of that, it became a really fun hobby. And so I would say, yeah, sometime in my like teens-ish, um, the, the songwriter started to wake up a little bit. I love two things that you, that you said. I mean, everything that you said there, but two things in particular stand out. One is that you had respect, so much respect for the craft of songwriting that you didn't want to kind of like, who am I to get in there yeah. and do that? You know what I mean? But yeah, that's so good. And the, the other thing is calling it a hobby. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot <laughs> yeah. of people, especially when you maybe get a publishing deal or get a little further along in your career and it becomes your nine to five, this kind of happened to me a little bit as you you almost forget that it started as something like, you know, way back in the day, I was a waitress and I couldn't wait to get off work so I could go home and and play guitar and sing and write a song. And, you know, now going to work is playing guitar and writing songs. And if you can remember that it was something you were just dying to do back when you didn't always have the opportunity to do it, I think you can kind of hold it in this really kind of cherished place, despite it being something you do day in and day out. I love that. And I would imagine, God, with so many things in life that uh, once your reality becomes the thing that you dreamt about, making sure that you remember that and this is what you wanted is is a real challenge, I would imagine, a day to day. Like, don't forget to enjoy the journey because this is what you wanted. And there's going to be stressful days. There's going to be times when you're panicking, where you're worried about making rent and then whatever it might be, and you're going to miss everything that goes by. So remembering that you used to be, you know, wait tables, you were doing all this serving fajitas. I've been there. I did it for a long time. I loved it. Yeah. Might be back there one day. Who knows? <laughs> Depending on how the economy goes. Um, I knew it recognized you. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want what extra gravy? Yeah, it's yeah. coming right up. But uh, no, I know what you mean though. That That is, um, it, it's an important thing to be able to, uh, to remember all of that stuff. Yeah. Cole, I'm, I'm interested to, uh, to hear from you about uh, uh, where you decided what, what, what was the thing that made you decide that you wanted to be a songwriter? Man, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I, as Tegan kind of once said, it's just we all kind of started singing. We always were performing, and I was in choirs and stuff growing up, you know, from the time I was five, six. And I was really lucky to take a trip to, uh, to Africa when I was, you know, eight or nine years old. And I kind of saw things like, you know, poverty. And I remember flying over mud huts in Cape Town uh, as we landed. I was super lucky and fortunate to go there. And I, as an eight-year-old kid, you're like, man, like there's like the, 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 there's a big world out there, you know, like, you know, obviously growing up in Canada and you get, you see all these amazing things. And I saw this, these poverty and these mud huts. And I like, was like, man, I, I want to like express like kind of how I'm feeling like, like eight or nine years old. So the first song I ever wrote was like about like poverty and like Cape town when you kind of like think about it. And I don't know, I just felt like I had to kind of like get something off my chest, even at a, at a young age. And obviously the song wasn't that great when you're eight or nine, but uh, I always, I always had a, had a, you know, notion for music and I loved country music and, and, and the honesty behind it. And, you know, the three chords and the truth, that's what it's all about. Yep. So as you, as you kind of get older, I just dove more and more and right into that. So I don't know, I think kind of like that one trip really like changed. I was always a performer and I always loved being on stage, but I really wanted to express my feelings. And I think that kind of trip as a, as a young kid was, was the, was the eight or nine year old you already playing guitar or piano or anything? I just, so I, I I just, my my, my first song just with like lyrics and no music. And then finally when I was 10, when I was 10 years old, I I decided to pick up that guitar. And Uh, you decided at 10 that you wanted a guitar. I wanted a guitar. And my parents have always been supportive. And my, my grandparents were super musical. And she, my, my, they both played piano and stuff growing up. But eventually, when I was writing lyrics and all stuff, I was like, I need to learn how to like do this. And I was doing the 
the power chords and stuff. You can probably go on YouTube and see some really bad guitar playing. And I hope so. And me with a little Justin Bieber, 10 year old voice, high pitch, but uh, <laughs> you can still find it if you look at it. But no, uh, yeah, I, I decided just, I wanted to like, you know, take it to the next level. And just from there you start writing songs and you start, you know, recording EPs and CDs and the journey just kind of flows. From so there. You, mom or dad, they were not, they were not musicians though. They were not. I think it skipped a generation for me. I don't know if it's, it's the same with all you guys, but I think my grandparents are super talented, but you do not want to hear my parents sing. <laughs> that's all right. You're doing it. You're doing yeah. it for them, representing. Yeah. But I, I like that that's because uh, sometimes, you know, there's the, the family kind of thing that happens and music is everywhere in the house all the time. And so, you know, you said you were in choir. So, there, I mean, a lot of people that I talked to, they grew up singing in the church. It's where they yeah. discovered that they had a voice. Um, and that kind of makes sense because you're just able to like be free and non-judge. Nobody's judging you, right? You're yeah, just totally. doing your thing, and that's that's kind of important as well. Sycamore, your uh, your, your songwriting does it have to be autobiographical, or do you pay attention to things that are in the world? I, I think that one of the things I've discovered in talking to uh, to songwriters over the years is that you guys are um, really observant of the world, like a great stand-up comic. Is, gr- is very observant about the world around you. Are you like that? Yeah, I think to an extent, I think a lot of my stuff is at least semi-based on my own life or rather, yeah. like you said, I think it's, if it's not based on an experience that I've had, it's it's based on an observation. Um, I yeah. have a song that's that I've, I feel like it's been alive for about 10 years and it's not out yet for some reason. And um, it's the story of a mother giving away her son, kind of the emotional journey that that all happens. And I don't have children that I know of. And so, you know, stepping into the <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> perspective of... I think you would know. I'm pretty uh, you sure know. you would know. I don't yeah, I think, think it works know. the same way for women as it does for men, but I love that you sure. own that. That's amazing. I think... Sicker, this song is absolutely crazy. Is there an this, this song is absolutely crazy. Aww. I heard it for the first time like five years ago, and I still like think about it to this day. So good. You know, it's one of those wow. things. I've been... It's a really special one for me, and I've been just kind of waiting for the... It's never felt like quite Stop the right time to so put it out. being so selfish. So that song, stepping into the shoes of a mother, having not been a mother myself, I feel like you... you probably needs to have at least you know witnessed and and be a little bit of an maybe like an empath in that situation but um you had a mother yeah you exactly had, you know what I mean you were born <laughs> yeah. you so, know what I mean yeah. yeah I mean it's I I feel like there's always you can always infuse a little bit of your experience or at least your feelings about something and that's what's so cool about songwriting is even if you're writing it not from your perspective um you know, it's, there's always like your kind of signature is always on it. And I think that's what I love about songwriting is it's it's purely the way you have viewed something or you and your co-writers are viewing something. So even if the idea has been done before, um, you know, it's sort of your fresh take on it. And it's something that people can't exactly steal from you. You know, it's something so unique. And so that's something that's just really special about songwriting to me. Hey, as the bare naked lady said, it's all been done before. So it's, it really uh, has. That is, that we're, is, we're very postmodern at this point. By the way, what is what's the name of that song that you're that you're refusing to release on the world? It's called "He's Mine," and uh, He's I'll play mine. it. I'll play it this summer for you guys. How about that? And uh, I, 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 it's supposed to come out on my next project, so it, it could be out this year. You know, knock on wood. So hopefully, okay, it won't this. be a secret much okay, longer. So, when it changes the world, we can come back to this interview and be like, you were sitting on this for a decade? You, you know, crazy artist. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. 
You know, Dan, um, as a young guy, what was the music that touched you and that, that you can now look back with a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of hindsight and kind of like, kind of assess what steered you in this particular direction? Yeah, it was funny. Like, I have a lot of a, a very different path than most people in country music and in songwriting because, like, I grew up in punk and metal bands, never listening to the lyrics. I didn't care what they said. It was yeah. all it was all about how what the music made me feel. It's and the music business, not the lyric business. All due respect to Sycamore and her love of poetry, no, no, no. which is yeah. beautiful. <laughs> it's all good. And so this was, yeah. <laughs> but this was this was uh, like a, a cool way to like get me hooked and and to like. I don't know. Some the industry kind of held my hand and brought me into songwriting. So, because for me, I was growing up. You know, my first real thing as a professional musician was this rock and roll band, and so I was out there on the road and and doing the indie thing. And quickly, we were opening up for like Bon Jovi. Tupelo Honey, everybody, let's yeah. go! Come on! <laughs> yeah, we had Come a, on. I we love had a that good band. run in another yes, life. Yes, you did. Um, so it was really cool, you know, and it was like, we were out with Billy Talent and like all these bands that are just really in your face and really loud. And, and I loved it. And and for, for me in the band, it was always us against the world. And so if it wasn't written by the band, it wasn't good enough. But then we had a producer in Toronto that, that introduced us to the concept of co-writing. And that just like changed everything for me because it was, I started realizing that collaborating and writing with people and getting other brains on things was adding a percentage rather than taking away a percentage. And, and, uh, it got me kind of thinking about other people's perspectives on on things and uh and you know that kind of led me into a publishing deal where i ended up doing more of that and trying to put myself in other people's shoes more often uh and from there you know i realized um country music was that's what the whole thing was was just trying to interpret life interpret other people's experiences through your own and put them out there in a way that just makes sense to the broader public and and uh yeah so it's been a it's been a long haul of of adjusting my brain to what this is but i think that old life of me making sure that the feeling was right as well as now understanding that the lyrics have to be right uh has really helped me because i still i still feel like that when i hear a song like by a band like the 1975 or something i usually feel it first and then i start thinking Mm. what's deeper in there I love that. I love that. Oh man, you guys are so good. You're so good with the words as well as the songs and all of that. But that, that, that you said that the, the industry held your hand and brought you into songwriting. What a lovely way to, to do that. It was, what a lovely way to say that. What a lovely way to, to appreciate that. It's so good. It, yeah, it was an interesting journey. You know, it was, it was nice. And the good thing is, especially in the Canadian industry, is there's so many people that are that in, in any way, in my experiences, that I would stumble into that were paying it forward a little bit, people that were older than me that were trying to help me not make the same mistakes as they did. And I, I think that I'm trying to do that now for a lot of younger artists too. It's so cool, man. I, I, I'm thinking about uh, Paul Brandt's one of the artists that's going to be uh, uh, joining us in Penticton uh, this summer. And he's done that for so many different artists over the years. You know, he was one of those guys that had the big U.S. deal and had the hits in the States and then, you know, wanted to stay in Canada. Um, the, the guys from High Valley would not be where they are today if it wasn't for Paul Brandt. Paul taking Jess Moskaluk on the road. And there's so many um, examples of, of Canadian artists, just artists in general, wanting to make sure that that continues to happen. So uh, when they see real talent and when they see dedication, all four of you, have have exhibited that obviously that's why you are where you are um that's uh that's kind of one of the wonderful things about about the storytelling i like that that you said too about um uh somebody else's shoes i wrote that down other people's shoes by the way it's a pretty good title for a song other people's shoes so go ahead (laughs) um okay uh let's talk specifically about songwriting right now and i'll start with tegan um if you can if you can 
if something strikes you most mm-hmm. more often than not, what is it? Is it a, an idea? Is it a chord progression? Is it a hook? Is it a title? What is it? Go. You you look like you're ready to jump into this one. I've literally been like wanting to jump into Dan's conversation, but I'm like, shut up. This is Dan's moment. But like, <laughs> you, uh, like, <laughs> but like you were saying, like the melody and the way you feel um, was like always something that that like striked you first. But and that was me. Like there are still a lot of songs to this day that I don't even know the lyrics to the song, but I love the song and it just makes me feel so good. So for me, like when I'm writing a song, melody is always first because if I'm walking out in the world, I'm not going to like even notice it if I don't all of a sudden like feel it. And I, and, and that melody doesn't like strike me. So for me, melody is like everything. So first I'm like, as long as I have like a melody, then the lyrics, I mean, you ha- I like, a good song has either great lyrics and a great melody, but a great song has both. But for me, it's, it's the melody is like, like everything. So I thought that was really cool that you said that Dan, because uh, that's just kind of how I feel. So when I write a song, um, if I'm writing it, I'm like, the lyrics are good, but I'm like, the melody is not there. I'm like, I'm just not completely sold on it. Like, I just, I want that, like that, like that earworm, that like attractive, like like something that just like grasps me into this melody. Um, so for me, like melody is just, it's a, it's a big deal for me because it is, it's like a feeling and like, I feel it. And, uh, um, but then of course, like lyrics are like, you have to have both to have a great song, but you gotta, you gotta have that melody line, you know? Totally. I love that. Sycamore. Is that, is that the way, I mean, you said, um, words are really, really important. Right. Mm -hmm. But how do you feel about uh, what Tegan said about uh, the idea of the melody and what grabs you Sycamore? I agree 100%. And I was, as she was talking, I I remember thinking about the first time I looked at the lyrics to Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. (laughs) I was just going to say that as an example. That song (laughs) is, it's like, it's it's the the song of a generation. It's the song of, of that Seattle grunge movement. And then you look at the lyrics and you're like, did Kurt even know what he was saying at the time? I mean, I don't know, but it really like, I, I just think it it's probably equal or, you know, maybe it depends on the song, but um, it has a lot to do, I think with um, in the end. Yeah. The bedrock of it is how something makes you feel and you can get there yeah. mm-hmm. with a melody. You can get there with words. Sometimes they kind of work in tandem with each other and I think however you decide to get there, the the ultimate, the payoff and the big goal at the end of it is to is to make people feel something or to um, mm-hmm. create, you know, a channel that goes out to somebody else. And all of a sudden you're connected. You know, it's just however you want to build that bridge um, as a songwriter. I think that really is what makes the whole process quite cool and unique is that people choose different paths and different ways to get there. And um, it's like it's just like you know, a recipe, you know, like sometimes it can be kind of one thing that leads it all, or it can be a kind of a multitude of things. And it really ends up being just your choice and your adventure as a songwriter. Oh my God. You're so good. That's so (laughs) different. I was literally thinking I'm not, I'm like, you are really good with your words. Oh, words you are good at. Yeah. But there, yeah, you can, you did it. You've done just fine. Um, incredible, all of you. Uh, the, but the idea of like different ways to get there mm-hmm. is so great. You can, you know, I mean, and again, uh, to be cliche about it, that's the journey, right? Yeah. That's the journey mm-hmm. that there's, there are different ways to get 
to where you want to go to tell that story. There are different ways to get there. You can take a plane or train or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. You're going to, I remember, um, and, and forgive me for the name drop, but I, uh, I once got to interview Noel Gallagher and, uh, in Toronto at Maple Leaf Gardens. And, um, and we talked a little bit about Wonderwall. We were talking about this. Song. We're talking about songwriting. And he said, hey, man, uh, I don't know what the hell that song was about. We were doing a whole bunch of cocaine. Yeah. And uh, if you can tell me what a Wonderwall is, you're a better man than I. <laughs> and I thought that was, I'm not the only person that he ever said that quote to. It's a really, really good quote. Uh, if you can tell me what a Wonderwall is. Because nobody, he, he wrote this song. Everybody, one of the most successful pop songs of the last for, you know, of this, you know, of our generation. Um, and he doesn't know what it means, but everybody else has now transposed their feelings, their heart, their, whatever it is onto it. It's, it's become something for them, right? Become something for me. Um, and he's like, Hey, if you, if you, if you know what a wonder wall is, you're a better man than I. And I thought there it is right there in a bit of a nutshell, right? Cole, how do you feel about hearing that? Man? No, that's funny. I just, I can't. I just can't relate. I mean, I, I feel like for me, every, everything that I've written, I've felt, or I or I've believed in, or I've experienced, or I've seen. You know, and it's and it's funny. We talk about melodies, and I think that I think Sycamore and Tegan are both right. You need you need a great song needs both. It needs melodies and lyrics. Um, for me, again, it just it comes from feeling something that I've experienced. I was actually in a songwriting course almost five years ago um, with a guy named Pat Alger, and Pat wrote. Uh, Unanswered Prayers and Thunder Rolls by Garth Brooks. Yep. And the the premise of the course actually was only to write the lyrics. So like, don't even think about melody. Just write write the lyrics. Like they come with a theme, and you had to like write about it. And it's like, and it's kind of funny. And because like, and he did not want you to like play guitar. He did not want you to do like anything melodically. He wanted you to write just the lyrics, like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And while like, I felt like I, I learned so much from him and he's, and he's kind of a mentor of mine now. Um, it's definitely, it's definitely weird trying to put some of those songs back like with a guitar without having written the melody before. You need both, I think. But no, in terms of your question, I think for me, I just, I need to experience something. I need to observe something or I else. I love that. Or else I don't know. I love that. Well, I you know, like I said, Noel Gallagher was on a, you know, probably a four month cocaine binge. So that, yeah, that, that totally. was what he was feeling at the time. Yeah. And Paul was only, exactly. Paul was only on one at that point. So <laughs> that's <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to give you guys all four of you a chance to answer this. If you don't mind, it, it just, it's just struck me right now. The last time, uh, do you all write on guitar? Yeah. Yeah. write on guitar. Okay. Mainly first guitar first or piano first. Anybody piano for, like guitar, guitar first? first, probably guitar first. Okay. Um, When's the last time that you remember sitting on, the, on your bed or your couch, whatever it is, just sitting back and going, oh, shit, that's awesome. When did that happen? Tegan, I'm going to open it up to you first. I mean... Just a hook, a line, a, a chord, a whatever. I know, because there's only six strings on a guitar, but every now and again, you pluck them in the right way, right? Just myself? Yeah. Just myself? Sure. Or do you mean like with a co-write? Whatever. I mean, I did a really amazing co-write yesterday and I'm like obsessed with the song and the melody and everything. And like, as you guys know, when you write a great song, it's like you you wonder how like long this feeling is going to last for because you're on a high. Like when you write something that you love and you're obsessed with, you're like, oh, I wonder how long I'm going to be on this high for. We were laughing about it yesterday because I'm like, oh, it'll, it'll probably give us the day and then we'll go back down again. But I'm yeah. like, I'm still on a high. So yesterday, um, Yesterday, I feel like we uh, we struck gold, and so like I'm super happy. But again, melody, lyrics, everything. I'm just like, 
So, I'm not going to ask you to do it. I'm not going to ask you to do it right now. But do you have it? Is it in your head right now? Uh, the the song. The song you did yesterday. Yeah. Is it is it right there? Is it accessible? Yeah. It is. Okay. Cool. It, not, oh yeah, I have it. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Oh, I like that. All right. Good. I'll send there it you to you. Yeah. Okay. Everybody else who's to. listening to this can be very jealous, but you know, work harder I'll in school. I'll send it to all you of you. My job. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> I'll send it to all of you. The family here. Dan, where's the family? <laughs> Dan, you honestly, we were all family now. Part of ninety seven <laughs> South. After I'm telling you, after uh, spending a few days in Penticton, uh, in the sunshine, drinking the wine, you will. Uh, <laughs> we're forever bonded. Uh, Dan, do you remember the last time that actually happened? You're just like, oh damn, that was good. Oh yeah, but not from a song perspective. Like when I pick up a guitar and I'm trying to do something interesting, it, it definitely doesn't mean it's a song. When I'm doing a song, it's basic chords just to try and go you know, get a bass going to sing over top of. But like yep. if I'm, you know, the, the wow moments for me lately have been coming from getting a demo down, super simple, and then thinking about it forever, going to my studio and interpreting it a little different. Like I had this list of demos for my record that's coming out this year and they were cool. And some of them were like, yeah, there's a good song in there. But then I went into the studio and I was like, okay, I want this record to sound like this. I'm going to be pulling from the eighties and Americana and all this stuff. And I redid some of these demos and I was just like, oh my God, like I knew there was something in there. And, and, uh, I had a wow moment with that in, in the last little while. There's five or six songs and it's my first like self-produced record and I've never been happier. Oh, that's so good to hear, man. I was I was worried that was going to go in a different direction, and I'm like, Dan, you sound like you spend a lot of time up in your own head, and I'm like, Are you okay, buddy? You're going to talk about I do for sure. <laughs> don't we all? Yeah, don't you? I mean, and that there, there's a danger in that though, right? Where you can overthink something to the point where you forget the root of the thing that you fell in love with, right? That song, right? Like like Tegan was saying about the song that she wrote yesterday, um, the, the the idea that oh, I hope I'm still high on this tomorrow, and sometimes I know having occasionally play drums with with people i hear my like you know guitar player he's like he comes up with this great thing we're like yeah let's jam on that and then like half an hour later you're like what the hell yeah. did we do a half an hour ago <laughs> you forget it there's a danger of letting well, of, of it disappearing into the ether right there's a danger in that but there's also a danger like it's something i've battled my entire professional career like coming up as a young musician uh demoitis and like having a, a turd wrapped with sprinkles and it's like so i've always been trying to like push it back and can i play this with an acoustic guitar or a piano and vocals and now yeah. that i know that i can now i can dress it up and then present it to producers or publish publishers or whoever so it's it's kind of like jazz you got to know the rules to break them oh my god it's nothing like jazz don't be silly that's that's ridiculous it's the mentality what, of jazz what you just said though is so smart if you can break it down to uh, just performing there, like imagine playing it acoustically with a guitar or whatever, whatever song it is, you know, you got the sprinkles on it, as you said. Um, that's exactly right, man. That's why Eric Church has a career, right? That's why the guy can sit there for three hours and just play an acoustic and people are, like, they lose their minds. Yeah. And you know what? And it's, I find that as a guy, like I'm never, I don't think I'm the most prolific singer. I'm not the most prolific lyric writer, but I can read a room pretty well and I, and I know where I'm supposed to fit that day in the session. And so like sitting down to these songwriters, circles with the amazing singers like people that are in this room right now it's always tricky i feel like i have to come up with my own way to make it to give it wow factor and uh it's a that's a fun challenge too there's a, a a gentleman who's doing quite well in the world of canadian country music right now tyler joe miller and he told me um something not that long ago and he said uh when you're down in nashville it, it, great songwriter you're gonna get some props uh great musician you're gonna get some props good hang 
you're going to get lots of props. You got to be a good hand. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny yeah, about Tyler Joe? Your head. Amen yeah. to that. I did a writer's camp with Tyler Joe, and he was singing the demos, and I was like, you know what? Hold on a second. We got to get a shittier singer in here because we got to see if this is a good song or if we just yeah. love his voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Hey, open the door. Let's see who's in the hallway. You're like, Dan, you're hired. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, okay. So, Cole, the last time that you were, I don't think I've given you the chance to, uh, to, to, to respond to that yet. The last time that you were just. You know, sitting on the couch, sitting on the chair, you had your guitar, maybe you're on the road somewhere, maybe you're in a hotel room, and you're just like, damn, that just, that sticks, that's good. Yeah, and I think for me, obviously, all of us co-write, obviously, Tegan was just co-writing yesterday, and, and I think it's also important to write by yourself, um, and I, sometimes I think, like, sometimes songwriters lose sight of that. Um, for me, I'm a, I'm a big sports fan. I grew up, obviously, like every Canadian kid watching hockey and uh, a big, uh, a big, one of my heroes, my big Chicago Blackhawks fan, one of my big heroes just retired like almost three weeks ago. And I was, I was reading this sports article about um, this guy and how he'd go to all these hockey games with his dad. And I was like, damn, like that was kind of like me growing up lucky enough to like go to a couple of sporting events, you know, once or twice a year with like with with my family or my 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 mom or my dad. And uh, I just kind of got the guitar and and wrote this kind of song. It was super personal. I was just by myself. And I I don't know. And sometimes you think like maybe it's it's so like personal to me. But at the same time, I think there's like lots of people that had a moment with, you know, their parent growing up where they went to a concert or 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 a sporting event type thing. And I I wrote this song and um it's kind of funny. I was watching this Lewis Capaldi documentary uh, the other day, and he yeah. and, and it was so amazing. And he talks about how he still how he still plays like his sends his demos every once in a while to his parents, and uh, and I still do that too, which is kind of funny. So I actually played it for my dad, and he cried, which was great. So I don't know, I don't know if I don't know if anyone else will like this song, but either way, it just it struck a nerve, and it was just something that hit me right in the, right in the heart. And I think uh, you know maybe one of these days, some I'll put it out, and there's some other one, some other people that can relate to it as well. Okay, so uh, this is one thing that I have, uh, I mean, I've, I've been around long enough to have heard this over and over and over again. Um, songwriters that I've talked to are all uh, uh, constantly shocked and amazed that a song that they wrote about an event in their life or a feeling that they had that was so, what they thought at the time, so completely unique and personal uh, became so universally accepted and adored. Um, I can't give you examples because there are too many. There are too many. But it would be like somebody having uh, something happen to them in their own life that they'd be like, this is so crazy and so small and so micro that uh, I would never, this, I'm never going to release this. This is going to be silly. This is just a personal thing for me. This is therapy. This is whatever. I got to get it out. I got to get it off my chest. Like you did when you went to South Africa. Cool. Um, and then all of a sudden, this thing that was so personal and you, you, you would never think that it would connect with so many people becomes the hit. It becomes the thing and it becomes mega for everybody. So that, that uh, it, it's more, I think, not to tell you songwriters how to do things, but I think you need, you, you really do. There, there's a long history of people. Uh, uh, they, they're usually forced by label, friends, family, whatever, to like, you got to put that out. That's really, really good. They're like, no, no, no. But it's about that time that I was, you know, walking through the park and this, I saw this thing and it da 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 and nobody's going to care about that. And then all of a sudden, everybody cares about that. And, they're like, and people are like, oh my God, I can't believe something that I thought was so unique to my human experience has been so accepted by everybody else because it doesn't matter about, I think, the, um, the actual... Uh, 
the, le- the, the words that you use, the emotion is there, the spirit is there, and that's what connects everybody. So don't ignore that, man. Don't be silly. I, I bet no. you a bunch of people. And, and you know what it does? It lets us get to know you. I'm like, no, oh my totally. God, I now know that guy. Totally. Well, maybe 97 song sessions. We'll see. Dude, let's go. Sycamore, the last time that you had that eureka moment when you had like, I don't know, whatever, a chord progression, a line, a song, you know, a title, something. Well, it was, I feel like it was in, in Nashville maybe a month ago. And something that I like to do, maybe you guys do the same, is I, I keep kind of a running notes document on my phone of like things that I get inspired by when I'm not necessarily in a work situation, but I want to flag it for later because it's just kind of uh, the, that little ping of inspiration on your antenna kind you, of happens. You are, you observe, right? You observe, yeah. you're an observer. And constantly. so I just, yeah. I, I had this one kind of phrase and, and I remember thinking, I don't quite know how that's going to be the hook. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I know that's where I want to go. And so I, I saved it because I wanted to write it with my friend Bobby in Nashville, who I write a lot with. And he's usually a really good sounding board for that type of thing. And he's kind of like what we call a track guy. He mostly just does tracks. And I knew that if he could build me kind of the right atmosphere, that I could lyrically figure out how to get to the bottom of that. And um, it's a lot. I imagine it's sort of like like you're chopping a giant block of wood. <laughs> it's like taking, you know, seven, eight, nine tries. And the feeling that you get when you're, like, it's just kind of a, when you know, you know, like you just, you're spitting out lyrics and none of them are really landing. And then you, you finally feel like you get it. And it's, it's like, you just split this giant block of wood open and it's like, it's, it's relief. It's excitement. It's like, okay, finally we have this really solid foundation to work around. And I think we, in that case, we actually wrote the chorus first because I was so keyed up about this hook. And then it was easier for the rest of the verses and everything to fall in place because it's like, there's, these two phases of songwriting, I feel like where the most daunting part is when you have a totally blank canvas and you're almost um, overwhelmed with the possibilities. And you're like, I have to choose one. What if it's wrong? So once you get through that, once you have essentially your framework for what you want to say and roughly what your melody is going to be like, then it's, then it gets fun because then I feel like you have a bit of a lead in terms of where you want to go And then everything, I feel like everything just gets easier after that point. So the biggest, like, there's kind of this, the biggest point of uh, push through really happens when you have moments like the ones you're talking about, Paul. And so for me, that was probably four to five weeks ago. And um, I'm actually still riding the high of that. So (laughs) yeah, sometimes they, they really echo into the future. You have uh, brand new stuff that you're excited about, songs that are 10 years old that you're excited about. (laughs) I mean, just the catalog is all over the place. Just as long as it gets out at some point, then I'm happy. Yeah. Um, Are you guys, uh, where are you most comfortable? Uh, Is it it in the studio? Is it in your room writing? Is it on stage? Dan, I'll start with you. Um, I don't know. That's kind of a hard question to answer. I think it's, it all depends on your company. You know, like I feel like as songwriters, people find their crews and they kind of just like, stick to their crews and, and you see it in a lot of successful camps out there um for me being in edmonton you know i'm i'm pretty comfortable being on my computer doing zoom rights i'm comfortable going to nashville being in a room i, I just I, I feel like 
I've had to force myself to be pretty, you know, able to yeah. adapt in, in most situations. Amen. But, but uh, yeah, over the years, I've found, you know, four or five people that, that I know I'm always going to feel comfortable with. And, uh, you know, as as I think Cole said earlier, or maybe it was Sycamore, just daring to suck a little bit. Um, and, you know, when you have that comfort zone, that's when you can explore ideas and just mm-hmm. get to the point and, and try some stuff that's probably a bad idea, but somebody might come up with a you know, bit of a riff on that. Um so yeah, you know, I'm pretty comfortable all over the place. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I like that. I like that daring to suck thing again. To, to go back to that, this this whole idea of songwriting is so to be to allow your ego to get out of the way. You know, we 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 hear that stuff a lot. Like I got I'm I've talked to songwriters so many times, and there's I just have to get myself out of the way push myself out of the way mm-hmm. so I don't stop myself from doing something. But to, to allow your ego, which needs to be there, to express itself in such a... I mean, songwriting is incredibly vulnerable, especially, you know, Cole's talking about um, you only... You, you like to write things, and this is your nature, to write things that have happened to you, to write, you know, the experiences that you've had, thoughts that you've had, emotions that you've experienced. Um, to allow... To, to have the the you know, t- the, the balls to say, I'm going to go in, in, in front of a bunch of people who, you know, I'm, I may or may not know how, how, you know, varying degrees of familiarity with people. Um, I'm going to go put myself out there. And this is what we're going to talk about today. It takes, it's, that's really, really, you're putting yourself out there. You're leaving yourself really, really open to, you know, thinking about fast forwarding to when you're putting your head on your pillow that night and going, what did I do today? Yeah, I'll t- oh I think God. like, the, I think t- to expand on that, I think where I feel most comfortable is finding myself in the position where I'm interpreting who's doing what role in a songwriting room. Um, because I think that there's definitely been times where I've gone into rights and I've let my ego get the best of me. And I've said like, you know, I really want my idea to be heard here. But it it's sometimes it's not about being heard. It's it's about figuring out when to introduce an idea, when somebody's on a roll, when somebody needs to be the editor, you know, the lyric writer, the melody person, the vibe guy. Vibe guy is super important. Vibe guy, the track guys. Yeah, so there's, yeah, there's just like there's tons of roles to fill, and, and there's a lot of people that get great cuts that are pretty yeah. much just vibe people, <laughs> and that's fine 100%. if it gets you there. It gets you there, right? Oh my. God. God, how do you? Where do we sign up to be vibe guys? I mean, this is like every single music school across the country right now is listening to this, going, "How do we?" There's no vibe guy ad uh, that I can apply for. That's amazing. You still have to be like Tyler Joe Miller said. You got to be a good hang, right? Yeah, that's it. Vibe guy. Um, is Sycamore the lat? The you know, are you? How do you do? You, when you go into a write with people, are you kind of like? Um, I know it depends on the chemistry of the people in the room, whether you've been with them before, whether they're a friend, how familiar you are with them. But do you go mm-hmm. in usually like, I mean, obviously you go in prepared, but do you go in and listen first or do you go in and go like, here's what I've got, let's go with this? Or how do you how do you start in a writer? I've been lucky enough to be outside a few writer, writer's rooms a few times in Nashville. And my, my experience has been, it's conversation first and foremost and laughter. Yeah. And like, you know, you can hear it. I'm like, oh, I get why this is so attractive. You know, yeah. eventually somebody might go, eventually 45 minutes in or whatever, somebody will strum a guitar or play something on the piano. But it, it's, it's, it's the hang first, right? Yeah. I think for the most part, it really, regardless of whether I've met the person before or not, um, I think that's the reason why a lot of writing sessions are slotted to be about four hours because the first hour is usually just conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's, you know, I think you fight the the thought that it's like, okay, we need to get to work. We need to get to work because it's part of the work is getting to know each other. I mean, it's such a weird job. 
to have to go into a room every day and be vulnerable and honest and authentic. And there needs to be at least a base level of trust between you and your co-writer before you can really actually get to the meat of what you want to talk about. You know, if everybody's kind of on the defensive and maybe hiding a few things or holding back, you're going to, it's going to show in the song that you write. And so sometimes I've been in situations where I've, I've gone into a write, maybe not as prepared. And what we end up writing about that day is literally born out of the conversation we have in the first hour. And so it's part of the gig. And I think you're, I think a lot of songwriters, if you're a little bit maybe type A like me, you're kind of like, well, I need to just maximize my time and hear it. If we can get out of here by 1230, you know, maybe I could write something else today, Mm -hmm. but it just, it takes as long as it takes. And that's the funny thing about art is that, you know, it kind of arrives when it chooses to arrive and you're just kind of there to catch it. And so, Oh, the muse you're talking about the muse, the old muse. Uh, she's, she's a fickle mistress. (laughs) Um, sometimes she shows up early and sometimes she doesn't even show up. Uh, she'll be here tomorrow. (laughs) She'll be here tomorrow. Uh, Tegan, um, are you, would you say you're an efficient songwriter? When I go into a room, I want to make sure that like everyone is really comfortable. Like everyone was saying about like being a good hang. Everyone's having a good time. Like I don't like going into a room being like, I don't have this right now. This is what I need. Or I'm looking for this because it's not to me when I go into a room and I'm writing with everyone, it's not, even though we are like, if we are writing for me, it's not just about me. It's about everyone. We're a team and ultimately we want to get a great song. So I kind of just like to go in and be like, how are we all feeling today? Then you start the conversation. What's everyone's <laughs> ideas? You know, like, what do we want to write together to, uh, to it does sound like get? therapy a little bit. How are we all feeling? Well, group it, therapy. Yeah, well, it is. It's like, what, what are we all like? What do we all want to write today? Yeah. Not just about what I want to write today. What do we all want to write today? Because if we can all agree on something and we all are feeling this, then you're going to get a great song. And I feel like going in like that with no expectations on like what I need or what, what, you know, yeah. um, I always come out with something awesome because we all just, we all catch a vibe and we all run with it. And like, I feel like that's uh, when I go into a room, that's kind of like how I like to uh, like to go in. And I, I usually go out like really, really happy every time. Um, I, yeah, I just, I don't like going in, uh, being like, oh, I'm missing this. I need this. So let's write this because it's just like, well, what if they're not feeling that, you know? So. Oh, empathy. How unique. Mm-hmm. Good for you. How unique. That's so nice and human of you. No, truly though. <laughs> hey, 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 how long did, I think, I, I know I've, you've answered this with me before when we've talked in the past, but I don't want to fall in love anymore. You wrote that by yourself, right? I did write that one by myself. And how yes. long did that take? It honestly like took me six months to even write anything at all. Um, after I went through like a, a breakup, you guys, like, uh, a while ago and I, somebody broke uh, up with you. What? Somebody broke my heart and I, it, yeah, I was just, it, it, and it was I like 22 and I was like devastated and I wanted to write about it, but I couldn't write anything because I was like, so I was feeling something different every time. Like I, I hated him. I still loved him. I was like, I was like, I didn't even know how I, how I felt. So I couldn't write anything. So I just sat on it and I didn't write a single thing for six months because I didn't even know what to say. And then after I had moved on, and I started seeing somebody else, I was like, finally something like came to me or I was like, Oh, 
I was like, I know how I feel now. I never want to go through that again. I never want to fall in love anymore. And then I wrote the song in like, I think I wrote the first verse in course when I came home. I used to bartend at the OK Corral. And when I got home from work, I wrote down the first verse in course. And then sometimes when I write a verse in a course, I like to sit on it a little bit because I'm like, ooh, this is so good. Like, I'm going to wait to write the second verse because I just yeah. like wanted to, to sink in a little bit. And then that ended up being like the song that like got my my little feetsies in the door. So it was like kind of cool. Oh, it's yeah. so cool. And, and I wanted to, I want to ask you that because Cole, I think it was you who said that it was important to write alone sometimes. And that is, um, that is an example of the solo mission, the solo flight. And it, it, is that where it starts for you? I wouldn't say necessarily. Um, I think, I think just like a good song is it, it takes time. And, and I'm one of those guys that, I like Tegan kind of said it took her six months to kind of get started on that one song. Like for me, I just, I'm kind of a little bit tight. Maybe I'm a type A like, like as well, sick more, but like, I, I just want to try to make sure that everything's perfect. Right. And is, is there such thing as a perfect song? Maybe. I don't know that I, I think there's a couple of things out Imagine there. Hotel California. There's a right, few. Yeah. Right. There's a few, yeah. but, um, for me, it, 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 I can kind of just take like six months to a year on a song. Cause I just want to make sure every, every word it fits to that hook with that, like whatever you're, whatever you're talking about, whatever you're driving to, I want to make sure every lyric hits that. And obviously that the melodies and the music, they all, they all connect them too. So I don't know, like the solo mission, it just, it just really depends. I think that, you know, as I said, writing alone, I think is great, but you know, the more you can collaborate with other people, there's just so many things that you wouldn't have thought of by yourself. Right. So collaboration still is super, super key. You know that, I guess it's the homework. You guys are all examples of people that do the work. You guys are, are drawn to songwriting. You're drawn to the musicianship that you've got so that you've done the work in your own corner, wherever that might be. And then when you get into the room with other people, you have so much to offer because you've mm -hmm. already done the introspection and the reflection. And then you bring it into the room and you're like, you know, generous with your time. You're like, hey, let's make this. It's, it's, this is a collaboration. That's what songwriting is. It's a collaboration, and and you've you've uh, you've done that. You've 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 done the homework already. So uh, you're not just showing up, going, "What do you guys want to do today?" That yeah. doesn't work, right? That doesn't work. No, people do that though. No, they do, huh? Yeah, yeah. Been in the lots of those guy? sessions. Yeah, <laughs> the vibe guy. Yeah. Always the vibe guy. Always the vibe guy. Um, I love it out in in British Columbia so much. And Penticton is gorgeous. It is, uh, it's a testament to the people that put the festival together that this is the fifth annual. And I don't know if you guys remember, but there was this uh, pandemic thing that happened. Something about that rings ago a bell. And Blocked it out. <laughs> yeah, right? Somehow we made it through that and we continued to, uh, to thrive and, and grow and the, and the festival just gotten bigger and bigger. And the fact that you are all part of this um, inaugural Discovery Series is massive and it's going to be so much fun. To, uh, to watch and, uh, and hear you perform. And I think you're going to make a whole lot of new fans. And um, I, I thank you so much for your time. Thank and you. thanks for doing this. Honestly, thanks, everybody, thank Sycamore, you. Cole, thanks, Paul. Tegan, Dan. Thanks for listening. This has been Storytellers. Join us this summer on the shores of Lake Okanagan, beautiful Penticton, British Columbia, with Triumph's Rick Emmett, Nashville hitmakers Jamie O'Neill, Lee Thomas Miller, Wendell Mobley, 97 South Song Sessions veteran Tim Nichols and the one and only Paul Brandt. For an experience you'll remember always. The 97 South Song Sessions Songwriters Festival is happening this July, the 20th to the 22nd in Penticton, British Columbia's incomparable wine country. 
an intimate Bluebird-style music performance that features songwriters in the round playing their hits and relating stories of a life in music. Tickets and information at 97southsongsessions.com. Download the free Stingray Music mobile app and listen to the 97 South Song Sessions channel today. Stingray Music. Life's on you. Music's on us.